Welcome back to Decadorks. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hi. Jordan as Mogram. You're most welcome. Matt as Guy. Nope. <laughs> Sorry, let me down again. It's spelled like Guy. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me. And <laughs> I me. Every time I'm sorry. I know I do too. I do <laughs> He's too. So dumb. I love it. And me, Paul, as the guy who's still just a little bit fussy because he spent the whole weekend sitting on a donut at a chiropractic convention. And despite <laughs> what you may have heard, it was not a nonstop party. But do you know what is a party? Our Discord server. So come and join us. The link is in the description. And if you're coming to the Discord party, make sure you dress the part by checking out our shop at 12sidedguys.com. You can also see our picks and bios, and you'll see which of us is the biggest party animal. I'll give you a hint. It's Jordan. You can also party with me over on Twitch because my kids are back in school now and have a reasonable bedtime again. You can find the info of when I'll be streaming my campaign prep over on the Discord. Anyway, if the members of your army ever threw you a birthday party, then this podcast is for you. It's Chorus of the Forsaken, Episode 5. What was that one? It is my favorite Nintendo 64 game of all time. Nintendo 64 game of all Ogre Battle? Time. Yes, Ogre Battle 64. Oh. At some point, I was just traveling from place to place, and it happened to fall onto my birthday, and they actually gave me a magic sword. It was amazing. That's awesome. Welcome back to, actually back to Barograd. Last time we were together, there was a lot of conversation at the campsite after the Grick attack. Um, um, they're called squid snakes. <laughs> the squid snake attack. There were some who wanted to go into the woods after the two uh, poor individuals who got dragged off and killed and eaten uh, by the Gricks. There were others who thought it's time to move on and stay safe. At some point, the people who wanted to move along actually won out and all the belongings were piled up into one of the carriages and the other carriage was left behind as the three horse carriage then moved back towards Baragrad. Along the way, multiple conversations happened, including multiple job opportunities for our players. There was Ryla, the serious, um, unsmiling carriage driver who offered everyone a job with her soon-to-be new caravan uh, as she decided she was going to leave the service of Gideon, who she blamed for the disaster that happened in the night with the Grix because, in her words, the caravan was just too small to stay safe. There was also Tobias, the tax collector of uh, the Baron of Alaron, who offered a job to our party as he felt a little bit underserved by the guards that he had brought with him and realizing that he might have a very uncomfortable conversation with the knight, Sir Roland, or Sir Roly-Poly, as apparently the people of Baragrad call him. I think it's just Ornan. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to start it, make it a thing. 
<laughs> well, uh, he realized it might be a very uncomfortable conversation about some missing taxes. And Ornan, a tax-paying citizen of Baragrad, knows that he did pay his taxes for this, uh, this half of the year. But apparently they did not make it to the Baron of Alaron. Another thing that happened was Guy was able to complete his task of accompanying Keldon Silvercrest back to Silvercrest Manor to reconnect with his mother. And after another poor role when it came to trying to gather some information about Calden and his mother and that relationship, um, Calden went upstairs to go talk with his mother after putting on what was very obviously a, a false front of um, happiness and, and joy at the opportunity to talk to his mother after 10 years. After that, we convened back at the All the Way Inn, where the four of them, Magram, Guy, Sylvie, and Ornan, were discussing what to do about these jobs, and they spotted a slightly drunk um, Tobias, the tax collector, still sitting in the common room, and decided it might be time to butter him up a little bit more and see what kind of money they can get to go and have a conversation with the Knight of Baragrad. And that is where we left off last time. Hey, Paul, you forgot one more important thing. We learned a very important acronym. <laughs> Pahoftma. Pahoftma. Yes. Pahoftma. Yes. A person of high aptitude for the magical arts. Yes. And we also I also forgot that there was a snippet of a conversation overheard between two of the Inquisitors of Aeona, of two different uh, sects of Aeona. It seems that one uh, of the Inquisitors, the dwarven... A uh, red-bearded uh, dwarf, blah, blah, blah. The dwarven inquisitor. It's a vampire. The dwarven inquisitor was asking very heatedly of the human inquisitor with tattoos on his face where the other inquisitor was. That they hadn't seen her in days. And the conversation quickly ended as the party approached. But we are now currently in the common room of the All the Way Inn as Ornan and Sylvie, Magram and Guy approach Tobias and attempt to butter him up for some more money. Yes, we totally just blew past the possible story hook of investigating missing inquisitors who are here on Mysterious Business and instead are going to help a tax collector get money. <laughs> Yay, capitalism. <laughs> yeah, forget yeah. those lamplighters. I don't want to be involved with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, ignore it, yeah. <laughs> All right, so here you, you have Tobias. It looks like he has been drinking, celebrating a little bit, celebrating the survival um, uh, from the trip uh, to get here to Berigrad. He is sitting at a table um, up against the wall, the southern wall. You can see there are windows looking out. It is dark outside. You can uh, hear the crackle of the fires in the twin hearths, one on either side of this common room. Uh, Gideon and Ryla are in the room, but they're kind of off a ways away, just kind of sipping on some drinks, not even talking to each other, just taking a break from their trip. Kino, the young 10-year-old uh, deep gnome, is behind the bar calling out to no one in particular, Hey, what'll it be? What'll it be? I got you right here. What'll it be? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and uh, you can hear Gemma in the kitchen cleaning up from the night's work. As we approach, I'll say, Oh, Tobias, it's very good to see you here. Um, do you mind if I have a seat? Oh, I, th I understand we had some business to discuss. 
Oh yeah, so, so, have a seat. You can see that like his cheeks are a little bit flushed. He's got a little bit of sweat on his brow. Um, he's like, yeah, have a seat for sure. And uh, yeah, all of you, thank you so much for for the work on the road and keeping me safe. I really appreciate it. Of course, we would love to hear more about this uh, task that we can assist you with. He kind of looks around conspiratorially and he says, well, I mean, as you know, I'm, I work for the Baron. Whoa, that's amazing. I, it, it, I mean, it, it is. I'm very well trusted in the Barony. You must be very important. I am, actually, to be on, on this task. Wow. I'm buttering him up. This is, <laughs> this is Gide buttering him up. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So the empty chest, that's for the taxes to bring him back? Exactly. Yes, that's a uh, that is Baron Thorn's. Uh, that's his chest that he wants. He wants the taxes from Barograd brought back so that he can make his departure and uh, deliver them to the king. Wait a second. The Baron of this barony is Baron Thorn. Ah, oh, I should have picked that name. That is. <laughs> That is a good what, name. What do you What do you mean? Pick that name. I I don't I don't follow. Oh, I'm right. I'm writing a story, and I'm <laughs> trying to name the main <laughs> character. Yes, that's what's that's what's going on. It's a fifteen can deception. I, can I insight on that? <laughs> yeah, I want everyone to insight. Um, your fifteen de- deception against drunk Tobias more than enough. Ornan got a seventeen on his insight. Okay. Sylvie got a nat one for one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ooh, got a nat 20 for a 25. Oh, jeez. Okay, first off, okay, question for Sylvie with your natural one. How do you feel about Guy now that you've actually spent some time with him? I mean, he is, right now, he's not wearing his armor. He is just dressed in tight pants, basically. <laughs> and, a, and a slightly blousey shirt. I mean, I don't know, like, I'm feeling a little more comfortable, but he's still, I mean, he's still, like, a really handsome guy. He's just hanging around. <laughs> he's hella hot. Is that what you're saying? Oh, and the way he's sitting on the chair, too, is just that effortless casual that just, you know. Yeah, he said he was accentuating his bulge. <laughs> <laughs> when you went and sat down on the bench there at the uh, in the chair, you actually did it uh, William Riker style, and you know the ladies love William Riker nice. style. Nice, <laughs> one leg Riker. over the back of the chair. Yes. Um, okay. Um, with your natural one, I think you're just uh, you're just wrapped up in the story of what uh, what Guy is saying. You're like, oh, writing a book that's amazing. Um, Ornan, you pick up on him saying, I should have picked that name. And Magram, you're like, okay, Guy is definitely not his real name. I think you just know that instinctively. Got it. I'm not revealing that to anybody at this point. Okay. Wow, that's so interesting. You're writing a book. I just, you have so many talents. I'd love to, to hear a synopsis of it. Maybe not right now, but, you know. Oh yeah, later. We have we have more pressing business to discuss right now. Sure. I want you guys to make a history check. All of you. Gee rolled an eight. Ornan rolled a three. Jesus Christ! Sylvie <laughs> rolled on that one for a six. <laughs> oh my god! And Mogram got a seven. <laughs> I, eight was the high. <laughs> eight was the high. 
Okay. He, okay. So Tobias, I'll just give you this. Tobias said something that tickled your brains, but you're not exactly sure what it was. We're just too caught up in this story, this book that he's writing. <laughs> yes. So Tobias is like, so the job is I have to go into the castle. And he kind of points uh, drunkenly in the general direction of the castle. You know, I mean, you can't see it. He points, points the pointing wrong like, way oh. and I just grab his hand and point to the right way. <laughs> yes. And he says, I have to go to the castle tomorrow um, to speak with Sir Roland, Sir Roly-Poly. Um, and I realize that... Um, I mean, they served me well, but, I mean, there's only two of them. And from what I hear, Sir Roland has a bit more muscle than I came with. And I I fear that maybe tempers may flare. And I just want to make sure that um, I'm able to get the money owed the Baron and then leave safely. I would like you to accompany me um, to make sure that um, tempers are kept in check. You thought you'd grab the local bartender to be some muscle for you? You're, you're more than the local bartender. I saw you out there. You were smashing squid snakes left and right. All right, you have me there. <laughs> says you had some kind of war pick thing that uh, I don't know of many bartenders who have one of those. And your backpack was huge. <laughs> huge, yes, that, I say. It's a big backpack, and, and the, the, the war pick, it's, it's a Nasdaq, and it's, it's back from my hometown. It's something that we all of the militia used. Well, you know what they say about people with large backpacks, right? Yes. Horrible lower back problems? No, I was asking because I don't know. I was curious if you know what they say about people with large backpacks. <laughs> nope, normally it's for riding war dogs, and we use those while we're riding around. I have a war dog. <laughs> uh, I was going to start panting, but I realized that that uh, Prancible's not here. Yeah, Prancible's not allowed in here, or at least I haven't tried to bring him in here, and he's definitely not allowed in Nalira's house. Yeah. Um, as you guys are talking with Tobias and buttering him up a little bit, you see that uh, first Gideon gets up, uh, heads up to the bar, uh, drops a couple coins, and then he uh, heads off into the uh, the wing of the inn where the beds are, and then Ryla is sitting there by herself for just a few minutes longer, and uh, she... Uh, you guys with your passive perceptions you can see that she's she's drinking um, just like sipping in a drink but she keeps looking over at the five of you you guys and Tobias um, and just kind of watching you for a little bit then she stands up and she heads off towards bed as well leaving literally just the four of you and Tobias in the common room and uh, Kino um, is curled up on one of the shelves behind the, the counter asleep as Gemma continues cleaning up the kitchen uh oh. As just before Riley leaves, though, as she's making eye contact with us, I'll kind of do the you, me, you, me point thing, just like with the eyebrows raised, you, you, you know? <laughs> like the Night at the Roxbury guys, but not quite right. so extreme. <laughs> right. Uh, I am going to make a check just for her. Okay. Shield of six. So, no. You see her kind of look <laughs> at you and kind of look confused um, and then shrug her shoulders and walk away. Still got it. <laughs> so Tobias is saying so anyway I don't want to have trouble in the castle and I mean so Roland I mean he might be old but I mean he's a knight and uh, I, I don't want any trouble so I was hoping that you might accompany me and uh, I'd be willing to pay go on what sort of wages were you thinking 
Well, I'm I'm paying my guards ten gold a week, which is above the going rate. But uh, for you, for what? An hour, maybe two's worth of work? I'd be willing to give you each mm, six gold. Six gold if there's no fighting, but if we do end up fighting, we'll say ten apiece. I think that seems fair. Or we could simply do a percentage of the taxes collected. I mean, that seems also fair. <laughs> um, and residuals <laughs> and merchandising. <laughs> Will we be able to charge for likeness rights? That's right, yes. And also um, an agreement not to use AI. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are, you are going to ask about percentages? I tell you what, you drive a hard bargain. Six gold if everything is all free and clear. Uh, ten gold apiece if blood is spilt. So make sure to use the sharp weapons. <laughs> well, on my part, I, you have a deal. I'm in. What time were you planning to to go and um, accost the good Sir Roly Poly? He uh, looks out the window and realizes that it's dark. Um, and says, uh, probably late morning. <laughs> I was going to say, looking at his state, I'll say, probably not before noon, I imagine. No, that's late morning. Best to, uh, best to write up the agreement, then, before the night ends. Make sure we have all the particulars before we go off to sleep. He kind of pats his, his chest a little bit, kind of reaches, pats around on his, on his legs. Like, oh, uh, you bring me some paper and a, and a quill, and I'll I'll sign it. I'll pull out my book. Oh, okay. I'll pull out my book, and I'll turn okay. to a blank page in the back, and I will first we'll write out the agreement, and then I'll have him sign it. Okay. He looks it over and studies it for about you know thirty forty five seconds, and then he yeah, okay, and he signs it. Ha <laughs> I have his signature in my book. This is great. I don't know what I can do with that, but I think it's cool. <laughs> just going to have all the NPCs sign your book. I was just going to say, it'll be like, yeah, your book. I have a great summer. Uh, <laughs> have fun in the sun. <laughs> I bet I'm the first person to sign your crack. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. All right. As you guys finish up talking with Tobias, he uh, takes his drink, his last drink, and he just downs it in one big gulp. And he says, well, if you'll excuse me, I'm, I better be getting up to bed now. I got a, a busy day tomorrow, and, uh, and uh, I'll be seeing you uh, noon. Noon sounds good. Lunchtime. I'll see you then. And he begins to stumble out of the room. I will, I'll actually get up to help him. Okay. I think it might be valuable to know which room he's in, so I'm going to get up and, and walk him to his room. Okay, he starts to walk up the stairs, and then he kind of goes, oh, oh, no, 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 and then he kind of stumbles back down. Sorry, I forgot where my room was. His room is actually on the first floor. As you walk um, with him, um, you can see that there are um, it looks like five rooms on the first floor, uh, but one of them is obviously Gemma's room. It has a sign that says uh, employees only <laughs> on it. Um, and Tobias uh, wanders into the first room on the right down the hall. And now it is just the four of you with Kino asleep on the 
on the shelf as Gemma comes walking out of the kitchen and she closes the door behind her. She glances over at you, Orn, and she says, Oh, he should have gone to bed hours ago. Well, about that, I'm, I'm sorry, Gemma. He had an offer for a job for tomorrow. It's going to make us a little bit of gold. Oh, well, that's, that's fantastic. Here, let me take him. And she kind of wanders over and she picks him up. Um, they're gnomes, so... You know, he's not that big. Um, yeah, he's and probably then, like two feet tall. Yeah. yeah. You see her carry him um, awkwardly uh, to the very first room on the right, the room that says employees only. And as you see her walk in, you see a, a well-appointed room. The bed is small, like uh, uh, for a, a smaller person. Um, you can see that the nightstands are smaller. Everything is kind of scaled down in this room, which makes this room, which is already pretty big, it's like 15 feet by 20 feet, um, makes it seem extra large because all the furniture is small. And then uh, she turns around and she smiles at all of you and says, well, good night. And then she kind of looks at you, Ornan, and she says, and, and thank you, Ornan. Oh, of course. Any any time. <laughs> you know? Yep. And then she closes the door. Real smooth. So smooth. <laughs> you know, I... Seems like I, a sweet lad. Yep, they're great people. I don't think the lad is uh, who we sweet on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, about this job... I think it'll be a good way to make some money. It's, it's been great to, to meet all of you folks. Oh, yes. If there's nothing else, I guess I'll see you in the morning. I usually come in for breakfast, so... Uh, I think that might be a good opportunity for us to speak with... Riley. What's her name? Rayla? Rayla. Rayla? Rayla? Rayla. Rayla? Ah, yeah. I was just ask this question, but uh, I, I assume that she spoke with each of you about uh, helping watch the caravan? Yes. Yep, she did. Yes, and I'm quite interested from on my part. Yeah, she said, oh, I'm interested in you and your friends, and I was looking around and say, friends? But I guess, I guess you've grown on me. Careful, you might have to get one of us removed. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if I need to help with surgery for this, it can be done. <laughs> or then we will need lots and lots of whiskey. I've got plenty. Then we'll need something to sterilize the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> you all are good people. I'm glad to have met you. I think I'd be interested in that job as well. I just, there are some, there's some loose ends that I'll need to tie up here in town if I'm to leave. And I I honestly have no idea how it's going to go. Do you think your mistress will will mind parting with you? Mm. Listen, Sylvie, no one gets over me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this guy here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, best of luck with resolving this in, this uh, situation in which you find yourself. Uh, I was curious if any of you had heard the um, uh, Ornan and Sylvie. You were with me at the time. We were walking into the tavern and uh, there were the lamplighters outside and they were speaking. Did you by chance hear what they were saying? The only thing I heard was that one of them has gone missing. Yes, he seemed quite upset about it. It sounded like the dwarf was blaming the other individual for this. Yes, he was blaming the Vantorian. I do not have any love for the lamplighters. Um, 
if there is infighting that is occurring, I am worried that this will draw more attention and scrutiny into this area. All the more reason to accept the offer of the caravan. Honestly, I was thinking we sow some kind of whisper campaign and turn them against each other. That could be... That could be spectacular to watch unfold. Uh, Spectacular, yes. Dangerous, but also... True, true, but honestly... If we do it right, it'd only be dangerous from, for them, and then we all benefit. Perhaps. I don't know. I, The city's too small for that. I think we would all suffer. It's true. We wouldn't want this to become ground zero for an intersect war. This is a fair point. He... he the, the dwarf one, he spoke of something I have not heard spoken about in, in, in a long time um, the Krachenest this was a, a, a sect group well it, it is a, an aspect or group which infiltrates many parts of the inquisitorial groups but it, uh, it it indicates a level of intrigue that I did not expect to encounter out here in this place when you say it are you saying that it's it's a it's a sect that spies and infiltrates their own ranks, kind of keeps them in line? Is it an inquisition of the inquisition? Inquisition. <laughs> inquisition. Yes. An inquisition of the inquisition. <gasps> no, it is a uh, Krahen nest would would translate to the Raven's nest. This was a uh, society, I believe, is how you would say it. Uh, kind of a secretive society. It originated within kind of the uh, the learning academies and institutions, um, mostly proliferated or, or, or filled with the nobility. But these individuals would often infiltrate into other aspects of society, whether that was in politics or in business, the military and certainly into the inquisitorial squads, many that passed through the the Krahenest wound up as inquisitors. Okay. They no longer exist, though. How how do you know so much about this, sir? Let's just say that I have a bit of a history with all of this. Insight. And Bogram takes a very deep drink. That's kind of what I was worried about. (laughs) Ooh, hey, I rolled a nat 20 for a 21 on insight based on that. If you all are going to figure out that my name isn't real, I'm going to figure out something about your past too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <Take> perfect. that. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could maybe say this if, if Paul's okay with it. You say whatever you want. Yeah. Um, I'm looking away at the bar and maybe had grabbed a mug of something and I'm kind of deeply drinking it. You would notice the, the deep scars on my face and you would have then also recollected or remembered the scars that were on the red dwarf's arms and face. Oh, yeah, oh. sus, dude, sus. Ah, okay, well. I'm going to roll to see if I made that connection. Okay. I got a 20. Oh, jeez, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sylvie, why don't you roll it too? I got an 8. 
I think when we get into battle, I'm gonna roll so good, and your guys' rolls are gonna suck, and I'm gonna be like, ha. Sylvie just thinks we're all upstanding citizens with like no secrets or history or anything. We're just exactly who we claim to be. I think I think Sylvie might be taking everything at face value because I mean she's young to seeing the world, right? You guys are all playing characters who have done some. Uh, sorry, done some stuff. And um, Sylvia right now, this is kind of her first foray out into the world, correct? It's my debut. Oh, she's a debutante. Ornan will unbutton his shirt a little bit and pull it down to reveal some tattoos on his chest. And they have wavy lines similar to the other Inquisitor. (laughs) I think at that... um, Maugram might actually choke a little bit on what he's drinking. <laughs> he was not expecting that. Well, if we're all revealing a little bit about ourselves, I figured we should put all the cards on the table. Yes, but do you have to take your shirt off? I mean, jeez. <laughs> I'm I'm so confused. What cards Look. are we putting on the table? <laughs> Gee starts taking off his pants. <laughs> That's one of, the, it's one of these kind of parties. All right. No, Syl- Gee will, though, say, Sylvie, right now is a time as a Pahoftma to just observe and and be quiet. <laughs> so we are starting to like gee less and less. <laughs> oh gosh. So uh, I think you guys would all recognize the tattoos on um, on Ornan as being similar in style to what the two inquisitors, the Vantorians, um, had uh, on their faces. So I take it by your reaction to the events of last night with these squid snakes that you maybe don't hold as tightly to your former ideals <laughs> and that Sylvie is safe. Oh, Sylvie is safe as the day she came into the tavern. I've kept an eye on her for quite some time. I have n- no ill will and have never agreed with the purpose of the Inquisition as it had, was enacted. I'm a different man than I was back then when I was part of it, and I'd hope that you'd give me the chance to show you that. There are atrocities that are being committed against those of the arcane arts that are abominations and that they are undeserving of the type of treatment they receive at the hands of the lamplighters. At this, Sylvie will kind of perk up and say, yes, yes, there's tons of injustice against the Apawahas. Against magic users. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You guys would know that there are magic users out there. There are, you know, clerics of certain deities. That is fine. Uh, You know, Aeona does grant power to her followers. So there will be some magic, but it is divine magic and it is sanctioned. It is is approved. And there are places in the world, in in Via Severia, where maybe the superstitions of the people are not as severe, um, but it's becoming less and less common. Uh, the, the teachings of Iona are, are spreading. And just like with any organized group of believers, you tend to get zealots, you tend to get true believers. And because of that, the other magic users, the um, arcane magic users are, are going into hiding a lot. You have a certain... Uh, devotees of other deities who will downplay the powers that they have um, if they are not 
quote, good or on good terms with Aona. There are a lot of people who worship Aona who do not approve of the Inquisition, who do not approve of the burnings and the hangings and the beheadings and the the witch hunt that's out there. Um, the worship of Aona does not instantly make you uh, a zealot or um, an enemy, but the ones here in town are obviously a little bit more militant and a little bit more zealous. Are, are you all trying to... To take down the Inquisition? <laughs> take it down? No, no. I've been in hiding here for ten years. I likewise have been uh, trying to avoid the scrutiny. Oh, I see. Well, as long as we're bearing our souls, I'll snap my fingers and Prancible is right in my arms. I'm a Bahaftma too. <laughs> and then I'm gonna. <laughs> and then I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna boop him on the nose, and he goes away. <gasps> Oh. oh my gosh, you have to teach me how to do that. Honestly, I... I don't know how it's done. I just learned how to do this one thing. Well, among some others, but I know that there are some practitioners accompanied by an owl or even lesser devils to do their bidding. I just know how to make a dog with weasel stats. <laughs> Sylvie will get really excited and kind of like reach into her bag and start pulling out like some like books and be like, well, we can, I can teach you some other things like and get kind of like really excited about about talking to another magic user. A hoftma. A hoftma. I appreciate that. Honestly, what I know, I it doesn't work through... Well, it works through study, but very specific study. I don't know. I, I'm saying too much. All, all I'm saying is, is that we all apparently have secrets, and I guess we're all in each other's confidence at this point. At this moment... Ooh. Who's got the 13 passive perception? Hmm. That would be Guy. I also have that. And Prancible, but I booped him away. <laughs> um, you hear some kind of noise. Uh, sounds like shifting or opening of a cupboard or something in the kitchen. I'll put my fingers to my lips and draw my sword. Okay. All right. What we are going to do now is the four of you. I want to know what each of you are going to do. Um, we're not going into initiative, but I want to know kind of what your action, bonus action, and move are going to be and how you're going to do it. Where did you say the noise was coming from? The kitchen. And so we can tell it's not like the uh, the family. You watched Gemma carry Kino into their bedroom. So since I'm not armored, what I will do for my action actually is I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to cast a spell, Investiture of the Void, to give myself a little bit more meat. And then I will uh, kind of approach the side of the door so that I will cover the entrance of the door for whoever storms the door. Okay. Ornan will walk up to the door. I'll be the one to go in, to open it and walk in. Okay. We'll, we'll have the door being opened as your action. Um, what is Sylvie and Magram going to do? 
as this is all happening. Sylvie's kind of going to stay a little bit behind so she can kind of see through the door when they open it um, and prepare to uh, send a spell, but uh, not get any closer. Okay. Yeah, Mogrim is going to pull out, like, very quickly he pulls out his small hand crossbow and grabs a dart out of one of his inner, like, pockets of his uh, black trench coat and get that loaded. And then he's going to sidestep with the bar and kind of have half cover and then kind of level his crossbow at the door to prepare an action. And can I describe what investiture of the void kind of looks like? No. Ah, (laughs) yes, you can. (laughs) Actually, I wrote out magic words for all of my spells. So when I do investiture of the void, I say investitura inanis. And uh, it basically in the in the folds of my clothes, in the darkest places where the shadows are the are the heaviest, it actually is like a like a dark blue glow. Like if you had like a ball of glass that was dark blue that had a light in the middle of it that was just kind of barely breaking through the opaqueness of the glass. That's kind of what you see in the dark parts on my body. Okay, so everyone has kind of taken their turn as um, I'm going to have Ornan, you open the door and we are going to roll initiative. Hey, hey, guess what Sylvie got, guys? Guess guess what <laughs> Sylvie rolled for, for initiative? Uh, Sylvie rolled a nat 20 for 25. Nice. Oh my gosh. Ornan got a 7. Gee got a 6. Mogram got a 9. Okay, let's go to the very top. Sylvie, the door opens. As you look in, it is dark outside now, but there are still lights lit here in the inn. As you look past Ornan into the kitchen, you can see that there is still some food kind of set out. Things that won't spoil. Things that don't need to be like um, um, hard cheeses and cured sausages. Yep, hard hard cheeses, cured sausages, that sort of thing. Um, And you see standing at the back door of the kitchen, because there is another entrance into the kitchen, you can see that there is... Um, oh, a human woman standing there. I want you to make a perception check before you do anything else. Uh, that was a 17. Okay. As you look at this woman, you can see she is older. She is probably 45. She is wearing a dark cloak pulled up over her shoulders. You're... I sure hope I look younger than that when I'm 45. I was just going <laughs> to say a very old 45. Her hair is tied back in a tight bun. Um, she's uh, got some some lines on her face. It looks like she has lived a hard life. But you also see that part of what is uh, on her face is some kind of tattoos. Similar to some tattoos you have, some, some facial tattoos you've seen recently. What species is she? She is human. Okay. And she is standing at the back door. Uh, Looks like she has um, some food in one arm. And she looks over and sees you, Sylvie. But it is your turn. What are you going to do? She's taking food? Looks like it. Uh, I'm going to just hold off on anything. And I'm going to let the uh, man of the house deal with it. Hey, if you see someone stealing food, no, you didn't. 
Yeah, honestly, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attack this woman for stealing the food. But I have a feeling she's about to do something real messed up as soon as I go. And Paul's just messing with me because I got such a good role and he's just jealous. <laughs> I am not messing with you at all. You see that she's got one arm full, her other arm is reaching for some food. You open the door, she locks eyes with you, Sylvie, as well as Ornan. Ornan's eyes haven't quite focused yet into the kitchen, and you see her reach up and grab uh, something like up. She kind of reaches underneath her dark cloak, and she holds on to something. You see her lips move a little bit, and suddenly you make an arcana check, Sylvie, for me. Uh, an 11. You see her cast some sort of spell. Um, you're not sure exactly what it is, and then she turns around, and she is out the door and around the corner and out of sight careful she used some sort of magic I'm, I'm not sure what she did but just be cautious okay and that will bring us now to Magram okay um she cast some sort of a spell or something yes he's gonna kind of step over so he can kind of get a look into the kitchen so he kind of sidesteps some 15 feet to stand behind Sylvie and look through and he's going to say do we Dane to follow her, or should we call this just a close call and let it go? There is a possibility she might have heard something. And that brings us now to Ornan. Ornan, you are standing there. You saw a shape disappear out of sight. Um, you'll have to rely on Sylvie's description because you didn't quite focus in time to see the person. But um, you see that the back door is open to the kitchen. And through that back door, you can see like the outside. You can see the well and you can see that night has truly fallen. Did I see the like food getting taken? I'd say that you realize that there is some food that should be there that's not. And I'd also say that you saw like the, just the corner, like like the back of the figure, um, and you saw a dark cloak, and then and then it was gone. Ornan's gonna run through the kitchen out the back door, and he's gonna say. You didn't grab a bag! You can't hold all that food without something to put it in! Come on back! Make a persuasion check. It's only a nine. <laughs> I'm being honest, though. I know. Um, okay. That will bring us to Guy. I'll, I'll just say, What's happening? What did you see? Sylvie, who was it? And I'm going to step through the door because I couldn't see anything because of the angle I was at. It was a woman who said she was 45, but looked like she was 75. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to come out to the back door and stand out beside uh, Ornan near the well. I don't see her anywhere. So where, where Ornan's up to the, to the north, you can see kind of the north side behind the building. I'm going to move over to the west, so I can see the west side of the building. Ornan, as you move up towards the well, you actually um, can see off to the east, um, you see a figure in a dark cloak running, and you instantly can tell this figure is moving faster than a person should be able to move. Guy, you have used all of your um, movement and everything, so Ornan has spotted this figure, and we are back up to Sylvie. Sylvia is going to run through this kitchen and kind of up to like this back door area. Mm -hmm. She's kind of going to examine the area that the woman was taking from and just kind of see if there's any sort of clue of who the person was or anything left behind or anything. Forensics. Sure. Yeah, why don't you make an investigation check? Pulling out your fingerprint kit. <laughs> All right, I was talking too much smack. I rolled an eight. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, it's you can't you don't gather any more information than you've already got. Okay, with that, it is now this figure's turn as this figure continues to sprint away, an armload full of food, and is out and lost in the night. And we are going to leave initiative, and not cue victory music. Womp, 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 womp. I went down instead of up in the victory music. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have given her some cured sausages and some cheese if she'd stayed for a sec, but she must have had somewhere to be. I, I am concerned that she overheard us and we spooked her with our talk of being awesome and magical and former inquisitors and all that. You know, I didn't actually say any words about my former profession. Is the acronym that well known? I think I made it up yesterday. <laughs> I think the words that were spoken, I think we just, like, I don't think any of us actually said anything that would be super incriminating. I don't know. I talked about learning magic and how my magic works different. We did say we don't like the Inquisition. Yeah, that's true. And and Sylvie did say uh, that she would that she could teach you some new magics. I did. When she was saying teach me new magics, she meant that, you know, under the tutelage of the priests of Viona. Well, I also do a lot of magic tricks, you know, like a lot of uh, sleight of hand. Oh, right, right. Sawing a woman in half, all that. <laughs> yes, I can do that. So you did notice, Sylvie, that this figure that was here in the back did have facial tattoos. Uh, and it, they did seem to be similar to what the Vantorian um, acolytes here in town have had um, as well. Oh, interesting. So I would definitely share that. Isn't, is that possible that she's the, the woman who's missing, who the, uh, the other two Inquisitors were arguing over? Well, if that's the case and she's in hiding, she might have found something out about herself that could put her in danger. She might need some help. It looked like she was moving quite fast away from us. Maybe she's... It wouldn't be the first time someone's discovered some new powers in themselves and their whole belief system turns on a dime. Of course, yes. This is this is a thing that happens. Never happened to me, though. <laughs> and Ornan got a 21 on his deception. <laughs> While they're talking... Uh, Mogram's going to pull out his toning rod again and use detect magic to maybe see if there's anything that can be detected in the kitchen area. Guillaume got a uh, 21 on his <laughs> insight to see if Ornan was lying. Hey guys, fight to the death. Oh my gosh. Okay, so okay, so we'll do the toning rod in just a second. I'm going to need a roll off. Just roll a straight d20. No, nothing to add. Just whoever gets higher. Oh man. Honestly, yeah. I don't care who wins, but he got an 11. Ornan got a thirteen. All right. I would say that there's some there, there's there's some suspicion, but nothing specific. Okay. Magram, you use your toning rod. That is the detect magic. Yeah. Yep. You do not detect any magic here within the inn. Got it. Well, that's not true. Um, just what you detected earlier on your on your fellow party members. Got it. Well, if she. If she used magic in this place, there is no residual for me to be able to determine what it was she perhaps cast. 
Make an insight check, Magram, as you say that. Insight. Ooh, insight. I rolled an eight. That was beautiful. That was really pretty. (laughs) Thank you for the song, and that is all. (laughs) With an eight, there you go. That's all you get. Okay. That's all I got. (laughs) That's all you got. Yep. Should we? Should we go and try to find this lady? It seems dangerous, but it might be worthwhile to figure out what she's doing. Not to do her any harm, you know. Just make sure she's okay out there. Unless if, you know, we need to do her some harm. What I found to be more effective is to use certain channels to let those who may need some assistance know that there is some party that may be able to help them out if they're in distress. And then they come to you because tracking them down is a recipe for a fight and for friendly fire and for misconceptions. Well, we can't exactly blast a signal saying, hey, Inquisitor, who's clearly run away and hiding, come hang out with us. (sighs) Unless you think we should. This would have been a lot easier a couple months ago, but you're right. I don't have any way of sending out that kind of message. So do we go after her? It's probably midnight at this point. We do have a job tomorrow, but... Gee, I'd feel awful bad if something happened to her in the night and we weren't there to help out. I think if a person runs away from you in the middle of the night using perhaps magical means, you let them go. Well, I think also, Ornan, you sowed some seeds there. You called out. You were gracious and offering additional support. If she heard you, she may take you up on that, which I think, again, in my experience, humble and limited though it may be, letting them come to you is most often the best option. I think what I'll have Gemma do is maybe, after we close tomorrow, set a bag out of... Some supplies, and then lock the door and maybe leave a note in the bag. That's a great idea. And maybe double lock the door. Sure. Yes, I think that's that's probably what we should do. All right, well, that was quite exciting. I think I shall go lay a bed and... Lay a bed? Jeez. That's, lay- that, that, that does make sense, <laughs> what you said. It does. I know, but where did that, where did that come from? It's fancy fantasy talk. I think I should go lay a bed and and uh, I'll see you all in the morning. All right. Yes, I, I too am, am going to retire to my room. Are you going to lay a bed? <laughs> 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 Only if the bed is really lucky. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Margaret, oh, that's so man. sad. You must be so lonely. <laughs> I'm so lonely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am too. oh my gosh all right okay well you guys are all going to go to uh go to bed i'm going to put sylvie in her room um magram you're upstairs in your room and um ornan you don't sleep here and uh gee you are heading back to silvercrest manor we are going to fast forward to the morning after this. Gee, 
you approach Silvercrest Manor. There is a servant's entrance on the north side of the building, which you have a key to. You can come and go as you please. And that entrance is literally right by your room, as well as by the latrine, the, uh, the, the bathroom, the toilet. Um, the guardrobe, the water closet. The guardrobe, yes, yes. Um, is that how you want to enter the house? Most definitely. Okay. Very good. You enter into the house. You can see that down the hallway in front of you, it, it, it will eventually take you out into the foyer. Um, you can see that there are still lights lit, but it seems like just a few candles are, are burning, which is how the house usually is um, at night. A few candles burning here and there just to have enough light to move about the house for the servants who might need to be called upon. And um, the door to your room is directly to the right. All right, I'll head into my room, not expecting, in, honestly, half expecting somebody to be in there. So I'm not, like, completely off guard. Okay. As you walk into your room, you're never quite sure whether Nalira will be in the room or not. And as you open the door, you see your bed still how you left it two days ago. Uh, you also see your armor is on the armor stand. You can see there's a mirror on the wall. You can see yourself in it. Um, so you're not a vampire. <sighs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> or are you? It's actually a painting of you. Anyway, um, as you are um, here in your room, <laughs> you have a passive perception of a 13. You get the impression that something is off about your room. And it doesn't necessarily throw you off too much because you know that people will come and go uh, because the um, entrance to the basement, uh, to the storage in the basement, is here in your room. Uh, but I'm going to have you make um, a perception check. That is a dirty 20. The door to the basement here in Silvercrest Manor is not shut all the way and you know it is always shut all the way you also know it's not locked so going uh, into the basement is not uh, difficult but the staff is always very careful to open and close doors and leave things how they found them and you know that the door was shut when you left all right i'm actually going to grab my shield off of the stand um and uh, it does have a strap so i can just kind of have it hanging from my back uh, and my investiture of the void should still be active because it lasts for an hour. So then I will go ahead and open that door and take a peek inside. I don't typically go into the basement. I have gone down there to help lift heavy things before, but that's it. Um, as you uh, open the door, you see that there is a very narrow and very steep staircase that goes down beneath the manor. Um, it is dark down there. No lights. Well, I can see in the dark. So at this point, all you can see, you can see the bottom step. And then just the way that the ceiling angles, that's all you can see. You can't see anything else down there. Okay. I will, as quietly as I can, start uh, stepping down the stairs. Okay. Make a stealth check. Uh, that's only a seven. <laughs> oh, wait, no. I think it might have rolled with disadvantage because I typically have the armor on. That gives me disadvantage. Let me... Let me uncheck that and give it a... Can I try it again? Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. There we go. Let's see if that changes things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got an eight. <laughs> um, the stairs are incredibly creaky, and you don't go down here enough to know which stairs will creak and which ones will be fine. Um, and you move down into 
the basement. As you get down in here, you can see that the floors are wood. They are rougher than the rest of the house. You can see that there are beams across the ceiling that hold up the roof above you, which is the rest of the house. You see that there are shelves along the walls that are full of like little knickknacks and boxes. You can see that there are also a lot of like hunting trophies that are here uh, as well. They're not displayed, but they are being stored on the wall. Um, you can see like there's some antlers. You can see um, some moose antlers. You see that there are some like a bearskin rug. There's like a wolf uh, skin as well. Not just thrown down here, but definitely not on display. Um, and you can see that this portion of the basement, there is a sort of hallway that heads off to the west down at the other end of the of the basement. You know that this basement is basically a square, but it's split up into two sections. Uh, there's like a, a, a west half and an east half. And right now you're in the west half of the basement. Okay. Yeah, so you can see it looks about how it was last time you were down here. Make an insight check. Jeez, it's only a seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I, okay, so yes. basically, I just fail all the rolls when I'm in this house. <laughs> you, I think there's something about Nalira that just kind of throws you off. It's a power dynamic thing, honestly. Yeah. Okay, so you know there's there's another half of the basement that you can go and look in, but for, for right here where you're at, it doesn't seem like anything is out of the ordinary. Oh, I'm going to check it out. I mean, okay. I can't really very well go to bed knowing there's somebody going to be walking through my room in the middle of the night in the dark. Which has happened. You have had servants come through your room to go into the basement before while you're in there sleeping. I don't like it. No, you don't. Um, Okay, as you move into the other half of the room, you can see that there is um, boxes and things, chests stored up. You can see some furniture that's down here that's maybe outdate uh, or some spare chairs that might be brought up for some some event. Um, And you can also see that at the north end of this section of the basement, it is curtained off and the curtains are, are currently closed. All right, I will go to those curtains and I will... Do I hear anything as I'm approaching this? Make a perception check. There we go. That's a 22. You don't hear anything down here, but you do hear the creak of the floor above you as if there might be somebody moving around upstairs. And right now I would be underneath what? Like the library area or the uh, foyer the, or more the more the drawing room. Okay. All right. Then I will peek behind the curtain. Okay. And pay no attention to the man there. Okay. As you open up the curtain, you pull it aside, you see that there is a small little room full of boxes and crates. Um, You're not sure what is in these boxes and crates, but you have come back here before to help move a couple of boxes. And at the far end, on the north end of this room, you see that there is a very solid-looking steel safe that is bolted to the ground and it has uh it's intricate it's got some gold work on it it looks very very fancy and um it is kind of tucked back behind some of the boxes but other than that you don't see anything and it's closed the safe is closed okay then i'll just say hello is there anyone down here are you going to be down here much longer i hope to go to bed soon no answer I'll approach the safe. It's interesting. Okay. If I go to the door of the safe and just try to pull the handle, is it locked? Yes. All right. 
everything seems to be in order. And I will head back up toward my room and I'll close the basement door as I come out. All right, you go back up to your room, you close the door, and I imagine you get ready for bed and trance. And everybody goes to bed? In the nude. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically. The sun comes up the next day, and you all meet back up in the All the Way Inn. So as you guys reconvene in the All the Way Inn, you can see that um, right around noon that Tobias is um, eating a breakfast. It looks like he actually just got up. Gemma is back in the kitchen. The kitchen door is open. I'm assuming, Ornan, that you told her about what happened. Yeah, Kino is stacking firewood next to the hearths uh, to uh, to keep them going because it is now starting to get darker earlier and um, definitely cooler at night. At this point, Tobias is down here, as are his two guards. He says, all right, you all had your lunch. You ready to go see what's going on with, uh, with the knight of the castle? Oh, yes. I came dressed for the occasion. I'm wearing my armor with my shield and sword and stuff. Ornan is also armored up, but he doesn't have his backpack on this time. Sylvia has her staff. I am also dressed for this occasion. He looks the exact same. (laughs) (laughs) I take a piece of chalk and just do a little mark on the back of uh, Mogram's jacket when he's not looking. Kind of like how you test to see if cars move during the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Tobias walks up to each of you and he hands you each three gold pieces. And he says, half now, half when we're done. All right. Are we ready? Kino walks up to you, Ornan, and he says, Don't worry, Uncle Ornan. I'll take the bar. All right, what'll it be? What'll it be? And, and you'll uh, do a fine <laughs> job at it, lad. Uh, his, his enthusiasm is a little bit um, contagious. I'll tell you all about our adventure when I get back. Don't you worry, lad. All right. You, um, you all leave the all the way in, so we go all the way out. And you go all... <laughs> This joke is never going to get old. <laughs> it hasn't yet. Uh, I'm so sorry, guys. Hey, listeners, DM us in the Discord if this joke has gotten too old. <laughs> As you um, you leave the all the way in and you head a little bit northwest back into Elm Circle, which is this uh, marketplace that has the elm tree in the middle of it. And up on a hill, uh, kind of at the north end of Elm Circle, you can see the castle. Uh, red roofs and arrow slits along, uh, along the walls. You can see that there is a, an entrance on the northeast side of the building. And um, it, it's a staircase that goes up to the second floor. There are these large double doors. Uh, and you follow Tobias and his two guards as you step up the stairs and Tobias knocks on the doors the doors are opened and as the doors are opened you can see there is a very large man he has sort of a greenish cast to his skin he appears to be a half orc of some sort oh i thought he was gonna be a frankenstein (laughs) (laughs) now the monster was the monster frankenstein was the doctor (laughs) yes yes and mary shelley was not that good of an author i'm not gonna lie Okay, I take personal offense to that. It's one of my favorite books. Oh, really? We'll have a conversation later. To be fair, I read it when I was a senior in high school. No, it's it's worth rereading. I actually reread it uh, last month. Oh, okay. Moving on. <laughs> There's a Frankenstein. Okay, go, Paul. Go. <laughs> there is a half-orc 
looks like he's got like a chain shirt on. Um, he's got an axe across his back and he's standing. Um, he's, he opened the doors and then he kind of stepped back and he says, state your business here at Grimley Castle. And then Tobias speaks up and he says, I am Tobias, representative of Baron Thorn of Alaron Barony. I have come to speak with Sir Roland. And um, the half-orc looks at all of you, nods, and then he says, if you'll please follow me. Then he opens the door behind him, which leads further into the castle. As you are standing there in this small little 20-foot by 20-foot room, you realize you're in a for lack of a better word, a kill box, right? You can look up and you can see that there are grates in the ceiling that right now they're covered with like a wood trap door uh, up above, but they are murder holes up above you. You can also see that um, this room, while you do have to come in through a door, you can see that on the eastern wall, there are actually arrow slits. So it looks like somebody on the other side of that wall might be able to shoot into this room in case attackers have uh, managed to get purchase into the castle itself. And that the door that you entered in is every bit as sturdy as the door that this half-orc just opened to let you further into the castle. Um, As you move into the castle, um, the half-orc takes you around the corner and to the north into the great hall of this castle. You can see there are benches lining the walls. You can also see that there is a hallway, a large uh, wide hallway heading to the south and there is a hallway that heads further to the west and there's also a door that's along the wall just below the hallway going to the west. The half-orc guard says if you'll please wait here, I'll go get my master. And Tobias and his guards, they move here in towards the center of the Great Hall. There are benches along the sides. There are suits of armor. There are shields and banners that bear the heraldry of the Grimley family. Um, Their colors are green and white. So the white emblem on the green background. As this half-orc leaves the room and you don't know where he is, leaving you all alone here in the castle. It is... Large is not the word I would use... But vacuous, empty is the feeling that you get. As uh, you are moving kind of around the Great Hall, looking at what there is to see, you can see Guy as you move towards the kind of the hallway that heads off to the west. You can see um, what looks like a trophy hallway. It looks like there are tables set up with different trophies or prizes along uh, along the wall. And you can also see that in this hallway, there's another archway that opens up into a courtyard. And you can see people moving about in the courtyard. As you look to the south, down the uh, southern hallway, you can see it is fairly long and it ends at a doorway. Um, that's about all there is to see. Here in the Great Hall, on the north wall, there, on the Great Hall, mm. in the Great Green Room, There's a telephone and a red balloon. (laughs) Here in the Great Hall, there are some benches you can sit on. There is a a carpet on the floor. There is this white uh, throne um, that is set up on this dais at the far end. And you can see that everything just seems kind of dated. The benches are... It almost looks like they've been like stored outside or something because they're kind of splintery and old. The suits of armor, you can see rust in places. You see... Uh, cobwebs uh, up in the corners of the room. You can see that there's dust on things and you are kind of milling about here in the Great Hall. Is there anything anybody wants to do at this point? Looking out into the courtyard and seeing the people milling around, 
How many of them are Frankensteins? <laughs> <laughs> there are zero Frankensteins. Actually, what you see is you see um, milling about, <laughs> milling, milling about in the uh, in the yard. You see actually two figures um, by the well. You see an older Asian woman with gray hair tied back in a bun uh, is speaking with this young woman with with dark hair. It's also pulled back. The young woman with the dark hair is wearing armor um, and seems to be some kind of a guard or a warrior, whereas the the older woman with her hair in her bun, uh, she is wearing um, clothes with an apron on it. Her, you can see that her her hands and her clothing has like flour on it. She appears to be some kind of a, of a cook or a baker of some kind. Those are the people you see milling about in the courtyard. Okay. You haven't seen any ghosts yet. Or Frankensteins. <laughs> Sure. I'm sure there's a Dr. Frankenstein about, but I'd be really scared if the monster showed up. Semantics, semantics. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to believe you. This place might be haunted. It does not look like it's in good repair. If he's hoarding taxes, he's certainly not spending it onto the castle. That's true. That's true. Good observation. Probably far more useful observation than the one about the Frankensteins. <laughs> He was called a wretch a few times, too, not just a monster, <laughs> but never Frankenstein. Hmm. Um, as you are sitting here milling about for about five or six minutes, uh, you can see that um, coming from the far end of that western hallway, that trophy um, room, basically, uh, you can see that there are a few figures that start walking towards you. Um, seems like there's four men coming towards you. Uh, you see an older man with red hair and a white beard. Um, he is dressed uh, wearing a cape over some, I'll call them fancy clothes, but I'll also call them outdated fancy clothes. He is being followed by somebody you've already seen multiple times in the inn, Edmund, the steward of the castle. You see another older man, this one bald with a white, closely trimmed beard. He is wearing armor. He's a human. All of these are humans. It looks like he's got a sword across his back. And then you also see a young man, probably 18, if that. Uh, thin. He is wearing what looks like some padded armor, like basically like a gambeson. And he has a sword at his uh, waist. And they all come and enter the uh, Great Hall. Tobias looks at all of you and he makes some frantic motions like, hey, get in position or something because you guys are all like scattered across the Great Hall. And Tobias uh, steps aside and makes room down the center of the hall um, and his guards flank him on either side. What are you guys going to do as apparently the knight of the castle is approaching? Gigi's going to step beside one of the guards. Okay. Yeah, so we will go stand next to the guards. Yeah, Orin's going to stand opposite uh, on the other side of Tobias than from Guy and Sylvie. Yeah, and I'll be next to Ornan. Okay. These four figures move into the Great Hall. They all look at you as they walk past. Um, you can see the man with the red hair and the gray beard, um, the one who is wearing the fine clothes that are out of style. He looks at Tobias and he gives a little nod and Tobias nods back. And then they arrange themselves on the dais. You see that the red-haired man with the gray beard sits on the chair. And directly to his left, the young man, the 18-year-old, the one who's wearing the gambus and the padded armor, he stands directly to the left. And then the steward, Edmund, stands directly to the right. And the older bald man wearing armor with a sword over his shoulder uh, stands a little bit in front of the dais. And they all watch you as Tobias steps forward and his guards now, instead of flanking him, they take a step back 
and give him some room. And uh, where are you all going to stand as Tobias begins addressing Sir Roland? Malgrim will take a step backwards towards the wall. So he'll, he'll kind of take a cue from Tobias's guards and just kind of step to the outer edge of the room. Yeah, so we will kind of follow them towards the center of the room, and then once there, just kind of stand back towards the wall. Same with Thornin. I'll stand next in between Sylvie and Magram. Guy will actually step back out of the uh, formation so that he has a view down both of these archway halls into the hunt, the trophy hallway, as well as the kind of the more Spartan one to the south. As you are standing there, you can see coming down that same trophy hallway, uh, you see that same half-orc uh, soldier that you saw earlier. He comes and steps inside the room and then stands at the back of the room. So he's about 10 feet from you, Guy, but he is at the far end, uh, far away from Sir Roland, um, Edmund, the steward, and then the two other men who came into the room. Tobias uh, stands in on the carpet in front of Sir Roland and gives a very large, elaborate bow. And he says... Sir Roland, I appreciate you seeing me. My name is Tobias, and I am a representative of Baron Thorne of the Alaron Barony. And you hear Sir Roland, Yes, yes, I know who you are. And I don't know why you're here. And Tobias says, Well, good sir, perhaps we should speak in private? And then Sir Roland says, no, anything you say, you can say in front of these, my squire, my steward, my captain of the guard. Go ahead, out with it. And Tobias says, well, Sir Roland, Baron Thorne never received the taxes owed this last six months. And I have come to collect it and take it back with me to Redlam. So Roland just kind of sits there and watches him. And then Tobias starts to shift a little bit. And he says, Baron Thorne has been called to Mirlov to report to the king and to bring his taxes with him. He cannot go without your portion. Otherwise, he will come up short. I'm going to have you guys all make history checks. I made a dumb character. My history was a two. Thornan also got a two. Uh, Sylvie got an 11. Mogram got a 14. What Mogram realizes uh, in this moment is having traveled around via Severia, you would know that the king very rarely meets with anybody. The king actually does not hold meetings. And the idea that now the baron has to go and report to him, that is abnormal. And also, I'll say that all of you, uh, when Tobias starts talking about the Baron having to go to the king and not having all of his taxes that he needs to take with him, you also sense there is some trepidation, some fear in Tobias when he says that if something's missing from the taxes uh, brought by the Baron of Alaron to the king, that it would be very bad for the barony. And I imagine then that the Baron would take drastic measures to make sure that didn't happen, potentially. Exactly. Tobias takes a step forward and he says, Sir Roland, I'm sure you can understand the need and the necessity. And perhaps it was just an oversight or um, perhaps you have it all collected, ready to go. And you just, for whatever reason, forgot to send it. Regardless, I'm here to take it with me. I'm sure you understand that 
for the betterment of everyone here in Beregrad, it would be best if you gave me the taxes due. As you are standing here, I want everyone to make perception or insight checks. Whew, finally, okay. I'm, I'm all over the place. I got a 21 perception. Ornan got a 15 insight. Mogrim got a 23 insight. Sylvie got a 10 perception. Okay. Perception checks are great. Sylvie, um, you've never been in a castle. I mean, this is crazy. You're in a castle standing in front of a, a knight. And you can, he's got this whole retinue here with him. You can see um, it's just it's kind of a little overwhelming. I think that you're kind of a little awestruck. I don't know if anybody else has been in a castle, but um, he's been in the castle. They played a lot cooler than we do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is not me picking on Sylvia. This is me explaining her role, I think, um, more than anything. Gee, with your 21 perception, you see Gareth, this bald man with the trimmed, the tightly trimmed gray beard. You see him shift his feet a little bit. Tobias is standing within five feet of him. You see Gareth shift his feet a little bit and you see him start to flex the fingers on his right hand. Okay. You also recognize that um, this half-orc man is standing behind you and maybe maybe it's not where you necessarily want to be standing. As uh, insight rolls of Magram and Ornan, those are both enough to recognize Sir Roland is just staring down at Tobias with no expression and you get the distinct impression that Edmund the steward who is standing next to Sir Roland is incredibly uncomfortable as he begins to inch slowly north off the dais and into the corner Sir Roland stands up off of his chair does anybody want to do anything before he says anything I'm going to do something stupid oh good Unless somebody else is doing something stupid first. <laughs> Ornan's just got his weapon ready. That's it. Maybe I'll let you do your stupid thing <laughs> first. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to... I have, like, yeah, I'll move the 25 feet up to Tobias. Okay. I'll put my, hand, my sword hand on his shoulder and I'll say, trust me. Does he trust me? You know what? No rule necessary. I think that after everything, I think he trusts you. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to send him between, which means remember in uh, the second X-Men movie when Nightcrawler is like disappearing and reappearing in like the puffs of like the purpley blue smoke. Yeah. And he puts a knife in the desk of the president. Yes. So this exact thing happens to Tobias and he appears actually. So he disappears and right he reappears right beside his guard to the north, so he's farther away from immediate threat. And I'll stand there with no sword in hand, but my shield is on my arm. As you do that, Tobias disappears and kind of... <gasps> you hear him catch his breath. You see eyes go wide all around you, um, and you see Sir Roland is now staring down at you. Sir Roland shifts his eyes from Guy over towards Tobias standing along the wall, surrounded by his guards and by the other of your party. He says, the money's gone. 
You'll have to find it another way, or don't. I don't care. But you'll have to leave. I cannot have you interfere now, especially that I am so close. You see everyone start to shift towards drawing of weapons, and we are going to roll initiative next time. Oh, right. The rich never want to pay their fair share. <laughs> oh, wait. That's I, true. You got, his, you got his name wrong. This isn't Roland. This is Ammon Bundy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> also called Roly Poly. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, golly. Well, hey, guys. Thank you for playing. Uh, it You're looks welcome. Like, <laughs> it looks like we might be in a bit of a tough spot here uh, next time we get together. Don't forget, we've got a Discord. You can come and join us, chat with us about the episode, chat with us about what you think might be going on, share some spoilers. Go check us out on Patreon. I've got the wiki and the maps up and running. Uh, And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.